what's going on, TLC, beautiful people. Good to see you guys, full house today. Everyone's back from their retreat. Praise the Lord. Um, good to have you guys all here. Uh, yeah. hey, today is the, the ending of our series on the life of a disciple, right? This is the last of the, um, uh, the message. And this message was actually a, a two-parter. It was, it was broken up because I felt like it would be too long if I went all, uh, all out with it last week. So I broke it up, and I really wanted you guys to hear this, right? Uh, and as we've been going through this series, I, I've, my, my prayer is this. My prayer is that you've been doing some self-examination of your heart, right? You've been doing some discern, discernment that's going on because what Jesus has been talking about in Matthew 5 all the way to this point, these are not suggestions for a follower of Jesus. These are the very things that he has asked you to conform your will to. For these are his will in your life. And so the thing that we need to respond is not, well, I'll think about it, or maybe, or I'll see what happens. But what you should be thinking in your mind is asking the question, am I in rebellion to his word at this point? Am I stuck in my Christian walk, or am I growing? You got to be asking yourself, at this moment, which season, in this season of my life, what area is God asking me to obey him in? What area do I need to have his will to be part of my life? Is it the area of my work? Is it the area of my relationship with people, a significant other, spiritual discipline, personal walk with him, my finances, my community, my church? These aren't suggestions for you guys. And last week, last week, I, I, I made a, uh, a conversation about, hey, have you been authentic to what you've been believing? The way you've conducted your life, because Jesus says there's only two roads here. There's a straight, a narrow, that's difficult, that's hard, that's confining, that's constricting, but it leads to life. And it's the road that leads to truth, and it's the road that leads to me. And there's the other road, the road that's broad, that's, that's wide, that's easy. And that road leads to death and destruc destruction. It's one or the other. There is no neutral ground here. Where are you at? See, the mark of maturity is your act of life. Wherever you choose, however you choose to live your life, are you consistently living your life, carrying it out to its logical conclusion? Have you been doing that? Because the act of maturity is not being shallow in the way we think, but it's being having depth in the way you conduct yourself, in the way you communicate, right? Yesterday I was having a dinner with a bunch of dads, and one of the things that we we're joking about is just how fast kids process things nowadays, right? I mean, they'll watch videos and, like, just watch two seconds of it, and apparently they got everything they, they need, you know? And, and they're just sitting there trying to watch it with them, trying to figure out, like, what's this whole thing about? And they're just going, next, next, next. Next, they're changing things, they're hearing one part and they move on to another. They're processing things so quickly. But the one thing we came to conclusion about was, though they're processing things a lot, the depth is missing. There's no depth to who they are. So when you make a decision about the choice you want to make in life, have you thought it out to its log logical conclusion? Because that's an act of maturity, that's a sign of maturity, but even this... Let's say you made a decision that's not for Jesus, right? Have you been consistent with your life in that decision? Or are you borrowing from the faith? 
Are you borrowing from others in order to live out your life? Because that's inconsistency. What road are you on? Right? And our last message today is a very sobering message. It was very, um, I had prayer about it a lot before I preach it, but it is a very sobering message. One of the most, one of the most difficult things that Jesus preached about on the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? And I really need you guys to listen to this. Okay? And the question that's pretty much is this. It's not just about a false and true road that you walk on, but even if you decide I'm walking on the true road, Jesus is saying you have to distinguish between the authentic Christian and the inauthentic Christian as you walk on the straight and narrow. Because you can say to yourself, I am a believer, Jesus. I'm following you. I'm on this road. I'm walking towards you. Jesus says, great, I'm glad. But you have to be discerning and ask yourself the question, are you authentic or are you inauthentic? Are you a counterfeit or are you a true believer? How is your Christian walk with Jesus? How is your walk with Jesus, church? That's the question I want you to discern today. That's the question I want you to really ask your heart. If you're going to be honest about this whole church thing, you got to ask yourself this question. How authentic is my walk with Jesus? So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Let me get there. 21 to 27. Matthew 21. Matthew chapter 7 is 21 to 27. This is what Jesus says here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 27. While returning there, let me tell you a funny story. My jeans are not ripped because they're stylish. I, uh, there was this tiny hole in them. So as I put them on this morning, my big toe got caught and I just ripped it. And then I decided I'm just going to commit and just wear it anyway. So that's, you're thinking, wow, PT's being stylish today. No, it's not. It's just foolish. All right. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 27. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 27. This is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's Matthew 5 to this point, everyone who's heard these words of mine and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against this house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying on that day, the day when we stand before him, many will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done miracles in your name? And Jesus will look at them and he says, I have never known you. And then, to solidify what he meant by that, he tells a parable about two houses. Two houses, pretty much on all accounts, look exactly the same. One, though, is built on the foundation of rock. The other is built on the foundation of sand. And what this parable simply means, if I can sum it up for you guys, is like this. 
It's possible for people who call Jesus Lord. It's possible for those people to be sitting next to you in these peas. It's possible that you have been serving together in the same community group, gone to mission together, broke bread together, sacrificed together, and it's very possible that on the last day, Jesus will look at them and say, I never knew you. That's what he's saying here. How authentic is your Christian walk, church? How authentic is the road in which you are carrying yourself? Today I want to share with you three traits. Because that's the basic question. So what, what, what does authenticity look like then, PT? Right? First I want to share with you three traits that authentic and inauthentic Christians share. Okay? Three traits in this passage where authentic and inauthentic Christians, they share together. Okay? So check this out. First... Look at verse 21. The first trait that authentic and inauthentic Christians they share is the orthodoxy of doctrine. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. You know what that means? The word Lord here? This is the Greek form of the Hebrew word Yahweh. Right? That's the divine name of God. That's the name that if you've spoken to any uh, Jewish rabbi, they will never say that name out loud. They will say Adonai instead. That's how holy this word is to them. And so Jesus is saying, there will be a day where people will come to me and understand, these very same people who understand who I am, who calls me their God, who believes that I am the divine son of God, who can basically spout Christianese to me. Because if I asked you, I'm pretty sure most of you guys can say that, right? If I asked you who's Jesus, you would say, my Savior, my Lord, without batting an eye. If I asked you, who is God? Who is the Father? Why do we call him Father? Because he's the maker of all things. What is your Christian faith saved by grace? You can spout all of these Christianese. And the trait of an authentic and an inauthentic Christian is what? They can do it. They know it. They're able to say it. They're able to call him Lord. They understand this. They share the same trait. You know what the second trait is for authentic and inauthentic Christians that they share together? They're emotionally involved in what they do. When Jesus said, in, in, in the old school ways, whenever you want to say something with passion, you say it twice. If you want to call a name with passion, you say it twice. If I was, if I was going to say, you know, if I call my, my, my wife, I'll be, I'll, if I call her and I want to be, you know, passionate with her, I'm just going to say, what's up, Trisha? That's not passionate, right? I will say, Hi, Trisha, right? Little, little, little change in your tone, a little higher. She's like, I've never heard that, right? But, you know, you, if you want to say something with passion, you can, in, in, our, in our modern day, we'll kind of change our tone, lighter on the voice kind of thing. Back in the days, it's a Semitic language. If you want to say something with passion, that you are emotionally connected, you say it twice. Lord, Lord. You know what this means? That an inauthentic and an authentic Christian are both emotionally connected, right? They're, they're people who've been excited about Jesus. They're people who, who've raised their hand and worshiped and sung songs to Jesus. They're people who've weeped, who weeped on the mission field as they saw brokenness. These are people who have an emotional connection to Jesus. They share these traits. You guys follow? One, what are the traits? 
orthodoxy of doctrine. They know. They know the words. They're intellectually savvy when it comes to the faith. They're emotionally connected to the faith. And thirdly, look at verse 22. This is crazy. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? You know what the third trait that is shared between authentic and inauthentic Christians? Service. You know what they're saying here? The inauthentic Christians that Jesus is pointing out? They were the ones who prophesied. You know what prophecy means? It's the one who spoke God's word, shared the gospel, did miracles, brought people to faith, turned people's lives around. These were people that led people to Christ. They were deeply involved in ministry. They were deeply involved in service. These are the traits that authentic and inauthentic Christians share. Emotionally connected, intellectually involved, deeply part of service. And Jesus' answer to them, to them, was what? I never knew you. I ne- but Jesus, I've said all the right words. I have even felt it in my heart. And I've done all these things. I never knew you. Jesus, check this out. He never said, I never knew about you. Right? Of course Jesus knew about them. He knew everything about them. What Jesus is saying here is, I've never had a relationship with you. I've never had a relationship with you. See, check this out. These three traits, okay? These three traits. If the absence of these three traits demonstrates what? If you don't even have these three traits in your life, it demonstrates you're not a Christian. You're not a believer, okay? If there's no service in your life, if there's no understanding of scripture in your life, if there's no emotional connection, you're not a Christian. The absence of these three traits is very clear. And it's very simple. It means you're not a believer. But here, check this out. But the presence of these three traits doesn't necessarily mean that you are a Christian either. This is for all you guys out there who thinks, I know my Sunday school curriculum. I can uh, quote John 3.16. I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. I can, I can spout that out like it was the back of my hand. I know this stuff inside out. I know exactly what I need to say. This is for all you guys who think out there, I'm safe because you know what? I've served in ministry. I'm a part of ministry. I do these things. I'm, I'm, a, part of, I'm a part of going to mission field. I'm a, I'm a part of connecting. I'm a part of all that. I've done my service. Surely I'm saved. This is for all you guys out there who thinks, you know, I cried at a retreat. When I went to a mission field one time, I felt the presence of God. You know what? When I'm in community together in prayer, I feel something greater here. Just because you have an emotional connection, an intellectual understanding, and just because there is a service in your life, it does not mean that you are an authentic Christian. This is not my word, guys. This is his. I'm not trying to call you out because I want to call you out. I'm preaching what the Bible says. Jesus says, you got two roads to pick first. First and foremost, either you're walking with me or you're not. Okay, if you guys want to understand what I mean by that, you're thinking that's pretty narrow, watch the last message. Okay, I kind of flushed it out a little bit more, right? But there's only two roads, he says. Either you're walking with me or you're not. But here's the thing. If you are walking with me, even if you are walking with me, you got to discern in your heart, are you authentic or are you inauthentic? How authentic is your Christian walk, church? Because just, just don't, let me listen. 
Don't be fooled by the idea that just because you're rigid enough to quote Christianese stuff, don't be fooled with the idea just because you're involved in multiple services. Don't be fooled with the idea just because you felt an emotional connection somewhere, somehow, sometime, that you must be okay. Jesus says, in that day, on that day, when you stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied, done miracles, and in your name do these things, surely I will look at them and say, I have never known you. I've never had a relationship with you. So those are the three traits that are shared between a believer and a non-believer, or authentic believer and inauthentic believer. And let me, let me share with you the two traits. Because I'm, I'm sure you guys are thinking, all right, man, so what are the traits of an authentic believer? What are the traits of someone who is an authentic believer in Jesus Christ, who has a relationship with Jesus? Look at verse 21 again. This is what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There's the conjecture, the conjunction, conjunction here. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The first trait of an authentic Christian is lordship. Is Jesus your Lord? See, people who have who have an intellectually stimulating faith. I know the words. I can argue the faith. I can defend it. I can speak it. I like it because it brings wisdom. People who have an emotional gratifying faith. I love being around Christian community. It's binding. It's safe. I feel connected. I feel loved here. People who have a socially redemptive faith. Look at what we're doing as a church. Helping the poor, the lost, the hungry. Look what we're doing as a church. Bringing lost people into this place. Giving a community, giving life. It's possible to have or to want intellectual stimulation, emotional gratification, socially usefulness, and not really want God. It's possible to have all of those things and you want those things only for your own usefulness and not because you want God. Because if you really want God in your life, you guys ready? If you really want God in your life, and if you're really saying that your faith is authentic, then what is the sign is that you have to give up your own will. That's why the Lord's prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, your will. Let me, let me, let me give you a, a, thought, a thought exercise here, okay? I'll use Andrew because he's the best at this, okay? Let's say I have, a, I have a blank piece of paper, okay? And I wrote the word contract. Right? I went through a contract, and at the bottom I say sign. Blank paper. And you know, what's, what is Andrew's going to say to me? Right? What am I signing? Don't worry about it. I'll fill it in as after you sign it. If Andrew is smart, and he is smart, what is he going to say? Now tell me first. Said, no. I want you to sign it first, then I'll tell you. Andrew will be like, no. What if you tell me to give you a million dollars? I might. Right? No, that's dumb. Why would I do that? Exactly. Why? Okay? On the base of our hearts, honestly, what? I don't want to sign because I don't want to be in a position where I don't get to decide what I do for myself. Isn't that true? You're not going to sign a blank piece of paper. You put yourself in a position that you don't get to decide what you do for yourself. But yet, listen, every day God gives you a blank piece of paper. Every day he tells you to sign. 
And every day you ask him, what am I signing? Don't worry about it. Sign it. I'll tell you as the day unfolds. How many of you guys sign it? Because it's not your will, it's my will. Right? Some of you guys are thinking, that's kind of crazy. But if God is a good God, if he's proven his worth, if he's proven his, if he's proven how much he loves you, the things he's going to ask of you is going to be for your good, wouldn't it? But you refuse to sign it. We refuse to sign it. We refuse to even entertain that thought. Why? Because you do not want to commit to something that you don't get to decide for yourself. That's your will. The mark of an authentic Christian is, God, your will be done, not mine. Every day he wakes up and he says, don't sleep with your girlfriend or boyfriend. And your response is what? I want to decide when and how I sleep with somebody. I want to decide what a relationship should look like. I want to decide who I date and who I don't date. And God is saying, is this your will or my will? Whose will are you following? Every day you wake up and he says, give generously, consistently to this cause. And every day you tell him, I want to decide when I give, how I give, by what means I give, and to what position I give. And God is saying, is this your will or my will? Every day he tells you, I want you to start forgiving so-and-so today. Don't pull it off. Start today. Take the steps of forgiveness today. And what do you say? I'll decide who I want to forgive, when I want to forgive, and by what means I will forgive. Is this your will or my will, God says. I want you to move out of your posh city and house and go live in the inner city. Reach these kids who are caught up in a system that's bringing them down. I want you to live among them. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your posh homes. Get out of your nice city. Live with them. I'll decide how I will serve them. I'll decide how I will sacrifice. I will decide to what extent of service I will give. Is this your will or is this my will? I don't want to take a higher paying job. I don't want you to take a higher paying job. Take the lower one because I have a plan for you in that area. I've sent you there. I made a mark for you there. What do you say? I'll decide what job I want. I'll decide what is good. I'll decide what is useful. I'll decide what makes me good. And Jesus is saying, is this your will or is this my will? You guys get me what I'm saying here? What is the mark of an authentic believer? It is the surrender of your will. You could be intellectually smart about this. Heck, you can teach my kids this stuff. You could be emotionally connected to this. You could have prayed and raised your hand in worship, cried on your knees at a retreat, opened your hearts at a mission. You could be deeply involved in service. All the teams and all the ministries that we have, all the communities that we're a part of, you could be a part of all of that and never once surrendered your will. Never once surrendered your will. How authentic is your faith, church? Oh, if I would have somebody wake up today. How authentic is your faith? Don't tell me Jesus is your Lord when your instinctive reflex is to say, how can I be happy and how can I keep control of my life at the same time? 
Don't say that Jesus is my Lord and Savior when the reflex of your heart is to want both. Jesus says it's literally impossible. Either you will give up your self-will and abandon that or you abandon me. But you cannot have both. You cannot have both. How authentic is your Christian faith? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I want you guys to get this, right? Because I, I think, man, I feel like sometimes we've been so caught up in church that we always forget this. Authentic Christianity is not about how moral somebody is. Right? It's not whether one person is more moral than the other person. That's not authentic Christianity at all. Authentic Christianity is not more put together. An authentic Christian is not more put together, not more rigid, not more following the rules. That's not an authentic Christian. Do you know what an authentic Christian is? An authentic Christian, the mark of an authentic Christian is someone who is willing to let go of their will. It means this, that whenever, whenever anyone calls something out in their life, whether it's through a sermon, whether it's through their salt leaders, whether it's through their community group, whether it's their ministry leaders, whenever someone calls something in their life that they are living in disobedience to God, the reaction of an authentic Christian is not to justify it, but to say, oh God, I have sinned against you. Change my heart today. It is a desire to repent and to amend their life. Jesus has never said that an authentic Christian is super moral. That an authentic Christian is super religious. That an authentic Christian is someone who's followed every single rule, part of every single state uh, system. That's not authenticity in Christianity. Authenticity in Christianity is that when you know that there is a disobedient in your heart, when people have called it, people who've loved you, walked with you, been with you, call that out in your life, your response is humility. Your response is to say, oh God, maybe I'm wrong. Oh God, bring change to this heart. Oh God, maybe there's something missing that I need. Inauthentic Christian was justified. But you don't understand. You don't get it. A, B, C. And you make all of these rules. Why? Don't tell me you want a Christian family when you have never even opened your Bible once to look at what a Christian family looks like. Don't tell me you want a Christian relationship when you're in a relationship that's going the opposite way of what God is directing it. Spiritual legacy starts with what? With mom and dad being obedient, whose will is conformed to God's word first and foremost, whose will is conformed to God's will. That's the legacy you pass on. It's not the legacy of how much you serve. Hopefully and prayfully, your service is connected to his will. God says, I don't desire sacrifice, guys. I desire obedience. Is there a change in your heart? Is there a willingness to change? That's why at TLC, so many times, this is, this, you understand this is our DNA, right? We always say, there is no such thing as a lost cause. Because we do not judge people based on how perfectly corrected and connected they are. Everybody is on their faith journey. We walk with them. The only thing we're saying is, are you walking towards him or are you walking away? 
There is no such thing as a lost cause until you die. Until you take your last breath, that's when the lost cause kicks in. And we're with you. The mark of an authentic Christian is that your will is submitted to his. Check your heart. Check the season of life that you're in right now. Look at your life, your relationships, your money, your family, your friends, your leadership, your work, your school. Check your life right now. Ask the question. Ask the question. God, is it my will or your will? Do the thought exercise. I will sign my name here. God, you fill it in. And whatever you say, I will obey. I'm walking the wrong way, Lord, and change my heart. I'm walking in sin, oh God, send the right people to me. Oh, you sent them to me. Oh, they said something to me. God, then get me on the road to change. Because it's not my will, it's your will. Oh, that we would have sons and daughters of God who understands. This is not about how much you put in. This is not about how smart you are intellectually. This is not about the emotional connection, if you can speak in tongues or not. This is not about some service that you give. The authenticity of your Christian walk is, is your will surrendered to his. That's how you have a relationship with him. And here's the second thing. You guys ready? The second trait an authentic Christian. Here you go. Verse 24, 27. This is the parable he gives about the two houses. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. All, what words? The whole sermon I just preached. The, Mount, the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5. All to hear. Everyone who has heard this and now said, I will surrender my will to this. I will surrender my character. I will surrender my finances. I will surrender my relationships. I will surrender how I treat people. I will surrender how I pray. I will surrender my spiritual walk, my community to your will. Jesus is saying, if you hear this and put them into practice, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and the beat against his house, yet it did not fall because its hands, because it has its foundation on the rock. But everyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. The words that he's preached from Matthew 5. You have no idea what he preached? Go back and listen to our whole series, okay? Everyone who has heard these words of mine and not put them into practice, you're a foolish man, foolish woman who have built your house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. What does Jesus say? The two houses on all accounts are the same. The houses that they're building on is what? Doctrine, service, morals, ministry, emotions. That's what the houses represent. And both of these men are taking all of their effort, all their moral efforts, all of their religious activities, and they're building it on one or the other foundation. One on rock, the other on itself, on sand, on nothing. Two same houses, building the exact same house. Intellectual information, emotional connection, service. And one is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. The other one is built on sinking sand. 
Take a look at your house. Take a look at your house. Take a look at your house. Take a look at your intellectual understanding of Jesus Christ. Take a look at your emotional connection to Jesus Christ. Take a look at your service to Jesus Christ. If your house and your response is this, if you're going through a hard time in life and your response is, I have worked for God, I have studied for God, I understand who he is. I have emotionally felt for him, and my life is not going well. I've tried so hard. I've been so good, and yet it's not going well for me. You are that foolish man who's built your house on sand, on your own efforts. A Christian who looks at his house says this. In sin, I was conceived. In sin, I've chosen to live my life. In sin, I've walked this road. Oh, God, if not for the love of your son who has died on the cross for me, who has taken the penalty of my sins, lived the life that I should have lived, if not for him, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing to offer you. But Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. All my morals, all my service, all my good wills, all the stuff that I know in my head, it is nothing. That's what a man who's built his house on the rock would say. Now some of you guys, some of you guys, when God saved your souls, this is you, would say something like this, got it, I got it. I know the script. I know the script. When I see Jesus, that's what I'll say, PT. I'm good to go. When I see Jesus, I will look at Jesus and say, I have built my whole life on you. That's right, right? I have nothing but you to offer. That's right, right? Let me in. If that's you, God saved your soul. Okay? Because do you know what makes a Christian authentic? Is they understand grace. What makes a Christian authentic in their walk is that they understand grace. Their, their will is surrendered to God, and there is an understanding of grace in their life. And you're thinking, how do I know if I understand grace? Good question. How do I know if I understand grace? How do I know that grace has penetrated my heart? You know how you know? Because your intellect, your service, and your emotions will now be to a relationship, not a contract. You know how you know you understand grace? Is that when you open the Bible, if you open your Bible, and you read these words, these words aren't just do's and don'ts to you anymore. These words aren't just restrictions and boundaries to you anymore. These words aren't just do it or die to you, hell or heaven to you anymore. These words are a love letter to you. These words are the words of a father who says, I have loved you since the day the world was created. I have loved you since then, and I love you now. I have made a path for you. I have done everything I can to bring you home. Would you trust me and follow it? It becomes a love letter. I have been there. I have walked through it. I've been there through this journey. I have taken the cross. Trust me, follow me, walk with me. The words becomes a wooing to your heart. It does not become a rigid 
law book to your soul. Intellectually, you know that he's your savior, but it's a relationship now. He saved you because he loved you, and you understand that, and you love him in return. And you follow him. You do what he asks of you, not because it's out of obligation or of religious duty, but you do it because you love him. That's how you know you got grace in your heart. That's how you know when you understand grace in your heart. That you couldn't do anything to save yourself. There is no service that you can offer. There is no system that you can create. There is no amount of words that you can know. There is no amount of emotions that you can conjure up. All of those things are sinking sand. If not for the grace of Jesus Christ, how do you know if grace is in your life? You know how you know? Your emotional life becomes an emotional life with a person, not an idea. Think about your prayer life. You know, you, you always make fun of people. I always make fun of people. You know, in, in, in the world around us, people, they use the F word, like it's commas and exclamations. You know, like every other thing is just F, 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 F. It's just like, you know, like apostrophe, semicolon. They just use the F word for everything, you know? And you're thinking like, but in, Christian, in, in the Christian church, we do the exact same thing when we pray. Right? Like, I think God knows his name. Right? I think God knows who he is. But how many times do you hear people say like, oh, Heavenly Father, I love you so much. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take care of us. Heavenly Father, we ask of this moment. Heavenly Father, we, right? You hear, this, you hear it spoken like it's an apostrophe. That's not an emotional relationship. Someone who understands God. You're just flaring out words. Creating some rudimentary information, throwing it out there because it sounds Christian-y enough. Versus an actual prayer, right? Imagine how awkward it would be if you spoke to your loved one and every three words you said their name, right? Just, just, just play that in your head, right? They would look at you and be like, are you okay? Like, you all right? Like, I know you, yeah, it's me, I know you, I know who I am. You only do that if you... If you you're speaking to an idea, not to a person. How do you know grace is in your heart, guys? How do you know grace is there? Relationship is there. The emotional connection is. And you know service? Let me tell you about service. Your service is not done out of a show of obligation. Your service is done out of a relationship and love. Look, I don't evangelize. Because I know I'm going to say somebody. I evangelize because God commanded me to evangelize. He asked that of me. And if I loved my God, I would say, okay. That's what you want. That's what I'll do. Right? When we clean the house, when my son cleans the house, right, it's not because he cleans the house because if he don't, I'll kill him, right? He cleans the house because he knows. We're in this house. We have a relationship, Dad, right? You clean the bathroom. I clean the living room. That's our relationship. Does it because there's a relationship there. Your service becomes a service that's given to God. How many times we serve, we're like, I'm burnt, I'm tired, I'm over this, too much work, nothing's happening. What are you serving for? What are you serving for? You think, well, I'm serving for the church. Honestly, I thought you were serving for Jesus. Do you know that? Do you know that you're serving for Jesus? 
Because you can be tired in the service, but you're not tired of the service. You guys get that? Let me say it one more time. You can be tired in the service, but you're not tired of the service. Because the service is what? To the one you love. I'm not tired of serving the one I love. I can be tired in it while I'm doing it, right? I clean the kitchen for my wife, right? Is it because, do I get tired while I'm cleaning? Of course I do, right? When there's a mess, it takes a long time to clean that kitchen up. I'm tired in the service, but I'm not tired of the service. She could ask me a hundred times, and I'll say, I'll say yes a hundred times. There's a difference in the way you serve. There's a difference in the way you read the word. There's a difference in the way you connect and hear. When grace is there, it turns an ideal into a relationship. So if you're there and you're thinking, I, I know the script, you can say all you want. Jesus knows your heart. And in that day, he says, Lord, you would say to him, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not served in your name? Have I not done miracles in your name? Have I not cast out demons in your name? And he will look at you and he will say, I have never had a relationship with you. This is our heart right here at TLC. There is no lost cause. There is none. Where you are is where we will meet you. When we speak truth into your life, we will speak truth into your life. Right? And, to, and if you disobey, you disobey. But until the day you take your last breath, we will still speak truth into your life. That's why we have these relationships, these ministries, these services, these salt groups. So that people can actually invest in your life. Do you have someone like that in your life speaking that into you? Or do you think you're highly superior enough not to need it? My prayer is this, okay? I just want you to be, I, I want you to be the real one before Jesus. I heard that's a Gen Z term, right, to be real, right? Be a real one before Jesus, okay? Look, I don't care how intellectually smart you are about the whole Christianese thing. If you're missing and you want to grow in that, we can help that. I don't care how emotionally you feel at certain times, whether you raise your hand or you don't raise your hand. Whether you cry or don't cry, I don't care how much you serve or don't serve. But I do know if you don't do any of this stuff, I have to really question your faith, right? I do. But even if you do it, even if you do it, you need to get this through your head. Even if you do it, unless your will is, sub is submitted to his will, Unless you stop justifying in your whole entire common sense, this is how the world does the kind of action. It's not, we don't care about what that is. If Jesus is who he says he is, then God, your will be done, not mine. Not theirs, not that road that leads to destruction. Your will. Your will be done. That you build your relationship. Because here's the thing. If you have a relationship with God and grace has touched your heart, if you surrender your will to God, all the other things will follow. Everything else will follow. You will serve. You will grow to know him. And you will have an emotional connection with him because Christianity is power. But if you don't do any of that, if, if your will is not surrendered, 
if your relationship to God is to an ideal, not to actual person, then you can serve till you're blue in the face. You can preach till you're blue in the face. You can have an emotion till you're blue in the face, and it will do you no good. But Jesus says, those who have listened to my words and put them into practice, they are like a man who built his house on the rock. It is Jesus Christ. Surrender your will to him, church. That's all I'm asking. Whatever season you're in right now, surrender it to God. Right? Am, I, am I telling you to surrender everything I'm Of course not. We're humans, we're broken. But wherever it is that at this moment God is speaking to you about, surrender that will to him. Take the step. It's only, it's, the journey of Christianity is a journey of progression. It's what we call sanctification. Jesus didn't say you're going to be glorified the moment you're saved. He says you're going to grow into that. You're going to progress towards that. So don't feel like you're lost if you're like not caught up to somebody. And don't feel like you're behind if you're not caught up to somebody. The real question is, is you, are you living a life that is surrendering that will to God? And are you living a life that actually understands grace? If not, then repent. If not, then repent, amend, and start again. That's all it is. You follow? Make sense? Okay. You forget this. Watch this message again. I'm just saying. Okay, just watch it again. How do I know if I'm authentic? Right? Let's pray.